have chosen to be with us, Landmark Pentecostal Church, on this Sunday morning. And um, if you don't like this Sunday morning service, God, no, we want you to come back and uh, be with us again in church service. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, familiar territory. But I want to read verse 39. Verse 39. For the promise, everybody say the promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to preach this morning, and I want you just to um, give me a little bit of leadway here with this title. I'll explain it sometime later, if the Lord allows. But I want to preach from this subject, taking what is mine, taking what is mine. Would you lift up your hands and your voices unto the Lord and let's pray together. Let's pray like Pentecostals pray. Let's pray like Holy Ghost field folks pray. Jesus, we're asking you right now to minister and to move in this place. Praying God for your divine will to be done. Minister God in every life and heart that is gathered here. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I know today for the vast majority of us, it would seem altogether unnecessary for me to rehearse the events of Acts chapter 2. But I'm going to do it for two reasons this morning. First, there may be somebody in this place this morning that needs to know that has never heard it before what really happened in Acts chapter 2. And then the second reason is, is that all of us that do know should never tire of hearing it. It should never be in a real Pentecostal church that we consider Acts chapter 2 out of date. It should never be in an apostolic church that we consider Acts chapter 2 antiquated or a bore to us. But you will remember that the disciples had returned to Jerusalem after the ascension of Jesus according to the instructions given to them by him. In Matthew chapter 24, and it's also recorded in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had told them that they were to go to Jerusalem and to tarry there for the promise of the Father. They had no idea what that promise was going to be or what it would be like when that promise came or when that promise was fulfilled. But in simple obedience to the Lord, they made their way to the city of Jerusalem and gathered there in that upper room. And it was here that they waited or they tarried 
for the promise. I just want to stop long enough to say that this is the only place in the Bible that you'll find anybody tearing for the gift of the Holy Ghost. After this, there is no reason for anyone to tarry, to wait, to procrastinate. Amen. When our heart is right before God, when we've repented and we have faith towards God, it is the promise of the Word of God, and He will fulfill it in our lives when those prerequisites are fulfilled. We can expect to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the Bible tells us that after this period of time, in Acts chapter 2, it begins by saying, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house, all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all, everybody say all, all filled with the Holy Ghost. How did they know it? And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What a phenomenal event. It had never happened. It had never been seen on this wise before. It had never been experienced up until this point. These 120 disciples of the Lord were the first recipients of the Holy Ghost baptism. They were the first partakers, if you will, of the Holy Ghost outpouring. And they rejoiced. And there seems to be evidence that they demonstrated the joy that comes with this experience. When the Holy Ghost fills your life and your heart, there is genuine joy that comes along with it. I said there is a genuine, joyous experience that comes along with it. I've seen literally thousands of people receive this wonderful experience of the Holy Ghost. I've never seen one person, not one, in all of the thousands of people that I have seen receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time and those that I have seen, many of them renewed in the Holy Ghost or Holy Ghost-filled people that are just refreshed time to time in the Holy Ghost. Never on one occasion have I seen anybody experience the power of the Holy Ghost and not express genuine joy as a result of it. For the apostles said, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's so wonderful that it cannot be explained. It cannot really be articulated or defined you cannot tell everything that there is to know about it. It is joy unspeakable. Uh, regardless of how many languages that you may speak or how articulate that you may be in telling a story or how many words that may exist in your vocabulary, can I tell you that your vocabulary is not sufficient to describe the joy of the Holy Ghost once it is experienced. I remember on several occasions while traveling and praying people through the Holy Ghost that pastors would often ask those people that had received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time to come up before the congregation, maybe even come up on the platform 
And, uh, and he would just say to them something like this, tell us how you feel. Maybe you've seen that. You've witnessed somebody that had just received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they're handed a microphone, and they're asked to describe just how they feel. I've seen many of them and many different reactions, but with all of them, it seems like they fumble around, and they fidget around for just a little while. And I remember on one occasion, a young man that uh, was asked, how do you feel? He took the microphone. He was just shaking like this and pacing back and forth. And finally, he just hollered out. He said, hot dog. I've heard him say awesome. I've heard him say wow. I've heard him say incredible. But most of them, when they're asked, they really can't describe it because they've never felt anything like it in their life. I'm telling you the joy of the Holy Ghost that comes, amen, when you receive it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And if you got the Holy Ghost, it'll put joy in your heart. If you got the Holy Ghost, nobody's going to have to tell you that you got it. I'm glad that my experience with God was not one that I didn't know really what happened to me. Or I needed someone to tell me that I'd been saved. But I'm so glad when I went to the water in Jesus' name and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I knew beyond any shadow of doubt that I had salvation in my soul and joy that I never received before in my heart. I'm telling you, real joy comes when you get the Holy Ghost. I've been privileged to be overseas and see many people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, even here in America. Seen many people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in a service. Uh, many of them at the same time receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And without fail, the overwhelming desire is to demonstrate that joy that they feel. I've seen them leap. I've been in Ethiopia and looked across vast congregations of people and seen them almost simultaneously as the Holy Ghost begin to fall, begin to leap and shout and worship God. Some dance. Some express it in different ways. Some feel like running. Some feel like shouting. Everyone, everybody's personality is different. But this, amen, when you get the Holy Ghost, when you really get this experience, there's one thing for sure. Amen. It's going to bring a response. It's going to bring a reaction out of you. I've never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost and just say, well, that's Oh, I kind of enjoyed that. Never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost and still had a frown on their face. Never seen anybody. And I've seen some people that claim the Holy Ghost had a frown on their face. I've seen some people that claim the Holy Ghost that's down in the mouth. But I've never seen anybody that got the Holy Ghost that didn't just have a little more spring in their step. They didn't seem to be thrilled about what God had done for them. I've never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost that didn't want to reveal some, uh, some excitement and show some emotion about what God had done for them. Well, uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I'm not the emotional type. I don't know if I'll ever express any kind. I realize everybody's not going to do the same thing. But you know what? I've never seen anybody touch a hot iron and just say, you know what? That just felt so good. Maybe I'll do it again. Amen. Even the most non-emotional person, when they come in contact with that, woo! Ouch! That's hot. No duh. Are they? Hey Amen. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, you, you just. Come on, when you come in contact with Him like that, when you get this experience, when you are in contact with Him on that level, you can't help it. Some type of emotion is going to come out of you and be expressed. I'll tell you what it is. It's the joy of the Holy Ghost. That's why you hear woo in this congregation this morning. That's why you hear wow in this congregation this morning. That's why you hear voices lifted. This is not just a sleepy Sunday morning, but the Spirit of God is in this place, and it causes us to respond. Come on, clap your hands and let's worship the Lord. I just hadn't believed when that initial 120 got the Holy Ghost, they started showing some of that emotion. How do I know? Because they were blamed for being drunk. Amen. The Bible says that they supposed them to be drunk, that they looked on them and said, These are filled with new wine. Little did they know what they were really filled with. Really, they were under the influence. They were intoxicated. But it wasn't the wine that they thought. Amen. It wasn't the wine that the world gives that is temporal and that is not long-lasting. But the wine that they'd been drinking from was what Joel talked about. Oh, yeah. He said, in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. He said, sons and daughters are going to prophesy. All men are going to dream dreams. On your handmaidens, it's going to be poured out. And what I'm telling you is it's going to be poured out on everybody, anybody, everyone that wants it. They got under the influence of that. They got to laughing. Amen. They got to expressing joy. That's what drunk folks do. Amen. Got to got under that influence. They they got to speaking in that heavenly language. They weren't concerned about what somebody thought about them. They weren't concerned, amen, about what somebody said about them. My God, we need the Holy Ghost to take over in this place where you'd quit being concerned about what somebody may say about your shouting, what somebody may say about your running the aisle, what somebody may say about your excitement. Isn't it awesome how God planned this out? This was a busy time in Jerusalem. This was the feast of 
they were all gathering there. Amen. They were all in that city because of this feast time. And the scripture says there were many more people than usual in the city limits when the Holy Ghost was poured out. There were people that were not actually from that particular city that was there. And they began to witness these goings on. And not only did they see all of the excitement, but they heard these people speaking in languages that were from their own lands. And they were praising and glorifying God, and they understood this in their native tongue. And uh, they said, uh, Are not all of these which speak Galileans? We recognize that these are not people that are from our particular area, yet they're speaking in our native tongue. And these that were under the influence of the Holy Ghost did not know it themselves. But these witnesses recognized that in their language, their native tongue, that they were born into and that they was their primary language, these Galileans, this 120 was speaking praises and glorifying God. It was a witness that what was going on was real. And it was right. It was a confirmation. And the Bible says that there were three responses from this multitude that had gathered together. In verse 12, it says, And there were, they were all amazed and in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? As the kingdom of God has experienced the greatest day it has ever known in all of its history up until this point, the Bible says that there were still doubters in the midst. Among this multitude, now, this is the greatest day in all the history of the kingdom of God up until that point. The greatest day uh, was the first day of the church. So we could say they started it off right. Amen. It was the inaugural day of the church. The church was being born. This would be the vehicle that would take people to glory. This would be the vehicle that would take people to heaven. Amen. This first day of the church. And the scripture says while this miraculous undertaking was going on, that there were those in the midst that were doubting. They were questioning. They were wondering if this is right, if this is real, if this is of God. Surely this is, not, this is not of God, the way these people are responding. There were doubters there that day, just as there is doubters that are always around today. Some things never change. Amen. There's always going to be those that are going to stand by, and they're going to say, what meaneth this? They're going to stand by, and they're going to doubt. They're going to stand by and point their finger and say, I don't know if that is real. But that did not stop. Amen. That did not hinder the move of God that day just as it should not hinder the church in this hour hey I can't help it if you don't believe this but I can tell you before you ridicule it before you make fun of it before you put it down before you say it's not of God why don't you do what the psalmist said taste and see that the Lord is good before you knock it, why don't you come to an altar and get the Holy Ghost? Then you'd understand. Then you'd know why. 
And I'm going to tell you, the doubters still aren't going to end the revival. The doubters are still not going to stop what God's wanting to do. Amen. I believe that there's enough of us in this place that have a desire and a hunger in our heart. Amen. That if you, you don't want it, there's plenty of us that are hungry for it. I want revival. I want the touch of God. I want His blessing. not only were there doubters verse 13 goes on to say and others mocking said these men are full of new wine amen now mocking is really just another form of unbelief and doubt and sacrilege amen and uh, disbelief in the reality of what was going on you know I've just decided that I'm going to be a believer. You know, there's always doubters. You tell somebody that 40 got the Holy Ghost, they'll say, well, was they all kids? Well, like a kid isn't a soul. Amen. And I believe our precious commodity and greatest resource for the future is our children and our young people. And if they're not full of the Holy Ghost, we'll have less hope of the future and we'll have less opportunity down the road of praying them through the Holy Ghost. So why not get them in this while they're young? Or they'll say, well, was, uh, was, uh, was it at the... Uh, Retirement center where they got it? As if to say they don't have a soul. Amen. Or they'll say, well, were you sure? Was you there? Was you right upon them when they got the Holy Ghost where you could witness them yourself? Amen. Or are you sure that it wasn't 40? Maybe it was 35 or 38 or 39. Amen. I choose to be a believer. I said, I choose to be a believer. Many times you'll see in the book of Acts, it said about 5,000 souls. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to be that one sitting around saying, mm, 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 you're a liar. You're a liar. I counted 4,999. Not 5,000. You're a liar. Amen. You could choose to be that doubter and that criticizer and that analytical person if you want to be. But I choose to be a believer. Hallelujah. I said, I choose to be a believer. Others mocking said, Amen. These are full of new wine. It did not fit their religious ritualism. And their response was to mock it. There's always been and there always will be mockers. But in this crowd, and as this crowd began to gather, the Bible says that Peter, he was a true Pentecostal preacher. He began to hone in on a certain segment of that congregation. Amen. A crowd started gathering. Amen. And he, he began to feel the Spirit moving. 
and he saw the crowd that was there and he sensed the hunger and the need he said this is all the ingredients to have church amen it's time for us to have a good Pentecostal church service and the Bible said he stood up I think it's time for the church to stand up I said it's time for the church to square its shoulders it's time for the church to to not be intimidated it's time for the church to realize who she is he stood up and he preached the gospel Jesus Christ and him crucified unto them and as he preached unto the anointing and the fervor and the power of the Holy Ghost those that hurt him the scripture says they were pricked or they were convicted in their hearts suddenly they realized that we're guilty of the blood of Jesus he said that same Jesus that you crucified amen oh come on now they realized we got to do some changing amen we got we to gotta change our ways and our lives while the preaching was going on it touched their hearts the Holy Ghost began to move you don't have to wait till an altar service today the Holy Ghost is moving now it's touching people's hearts now it's, it's convicting souls now They begin to wonder, how can we escape this judgment? How can we get away from this guilt? How, how can we change? And they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter didn't hesitate. He didn't call a council together and decide what he's going to preach. He didn't get a committee and say, Give me a sermon. He didn't stumble around. He didn't even apologize. He already had those keys. He immediately and unequivocally began to preach, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, that was the message on the first day that the church was born. That was the message when the church began. And it's still the message of the church today. It was the message in the first century. And it's still the message in the 21st century. Sinners' prayers won't save you. Confession to a priest won't save you. Church membership and affiliation won't save you. Being a good person alone won't save you. Works won't save you. Amen. You can't be moral enough to be saved or honest enough to be saved or righteous in yourself enough to be saved. But you must, you must be born again. Peter said you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'd like to see somebody receive the gift of the Holy Ghost this morning. And he went on to say, for this promise, what promise? The promise of the Holy Ghost, the promise that this 120 received in the upper room. He said the same thing that happened to them is for you also. And it didn't stop there. He said not only you, but your children. He spoke to the next generation. He said this is not just for this generation. But it's for the next generation. Oh, my God, I could preach on that for a while and tell you that what we're doing here this morning 
and the church is not just for your parents, your grandparents, amen, but it's for your generation, young people. You need to be tongue talkers. You need to be aisle runners. You need to be worshipers. You need to be excited. You need to keep the thrill in your heart. You need to be Pentecostal from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. He said, for your children. And all that are fought. This is not just a Jerusalem thing. This is not just a Israelite thing. This is not just a Hebrew thing. This is not just a Jewish thing. Come on now. He said, all that are far off. Amen. We can't cordon this off. We can't say this is just for one part of the city or one part of the town. This is not for just all those that live on this side of the tracks. This is not just for a certain group of people of social standing. This is not just for a certain economic level. No, it's for everybody. All that are far off, even, 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 as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. I want you to understand the Holy Ghost is for everybody. It's for young. It's for old. It's for rich. It's for poor. Everyone. Here's the key. I told you that there were doubters and there were mockers. But there was another group that I want to focus on here this morning. And you can't focus on the doubters and the mockers and see a move of the Holy Ghost. But Peter chose to focus on this other group. And these are the ones that he preached to. Verse 41 says, And then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And that same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. These were the folks that said, if it's mine, I want it. If I can have it, I want to take it. Amen. I'm going to take what is mine. It's my promise. You know, normally when we hear, you can remain standing. When we hear the words taking what is mine, it's, it's, it's in a negative connotation. I mean, it sounds so selfish. Usually we hear words like that in a messy divorce. Well, bless God, it's mine. I paid for it. I'm going to get it. Amen. We hear it in an inheritance scandal. You know, they, they told me I could have it, and, and I'm going to take, take that because that's mine. Or a bad business deal that splits up. People start, start claiming things. I'm going to take what is mine. I'm taking what is mine. It's usually in a negative light. But today I wish I could arouse that feeling and that same passion in the heart of somebody in this building that has perhaps never received the Holy Ghost. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've been renewed in the Holy Ghost because it's not a selfish thing to want the Holy Ghost. Amen. I said it's not a selfish thing to desire the Holy Ghost passionately and to want it more than anything else because if you get the Holy Ghost today, 
someone next to you can get the Holy Ghost. And if they get the Holy Ghost, someone next to them can get the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you know what? After that person and that person and that person gets the Holy Ghost, there's still going to be some Holy Ghost left for anybody that wants it. And if a hundred got the Holy Ghost this morning, there'd still be room for another to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If a thousand people got the Holy Ghost today, amen, there'd still be room for another to get the Holy Ghost. You're not going to bankrupt the Holy Ghost bank. Amen. Because he said there's enough for you and your children and all that are far off. And it doesn't stop there. You can't bankrupt heaven. He said it's not only for that segment in that group. He said it's for as many as the Lord our God shall call. Come on, raise your hands and let's worship the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving here. The devil tries to tell people you can have the Holy Ghost because of your sin. You can't have the Holy Ghost because of your past. You see the gleam in people's eyes. You see the smile on their face. You saw people up here singing today. and You saw people playing instruments. You saw Brother John as he was leading this singing. You think, man, I can't never do that. I can't ever have that. Too many mistakes in my life. He's tried to tell you that it's not for you. But I tell you, it's time to take what is yours. The devil has deceived you long enough. Sin has robbed you long enough. Guilt has kept you away from these altars long enough. Doubt has held you back long enough. It's time to get what is yours. Time you say to the devil, the preacher said it's mine. And the word of God says it's mine. That means God said it's mine. I'm going to the odds and I'm going to take what is mine. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in trepidation. You don't have to live beat down. You don't have to live in distress. You don't have to live under that pressure that you've been living under. You can step out of that pew right now. Make your way to this altar. Repent of your sins. Amen. And be filled. I said filled with this joyous experience of the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost moving here this morning. Maybe there's some people here. It's just been a long, long time since you spoke in tongues. You know what happens when that when that begins to occur? Two things. Two things. First of all, the devil begins to dog us and beat us up. You probably still don't have the Holy Ghost. You ain't no you ain't no saint of God. Look at you. You ain't got no power. Beat you down. And the second thing that happens is he shames you from coming to the altar because they're going to think 
that you've been up to something bad if you come back down to that altar like you did the first time when you got the Holy Ghost. Amen. But you know what my response to that is? There's one way to cure that. And it probably wouldn't matter once you do this what anybody thinks. And it would take care of that dogging voice of the devil that has been on your back for a long time. There's one way to cure that. Amen. And say, you know what? I'm not going to hesitate this morning. I'm not going to wait until times get better. I'm not going to say, well, I'll try another service or I'll come up here by myself or nobody else can see me. Amen. I'm going to worry about what somebody's going to say about me. But I just wonder in this service this morning if there's somebody said, I'm so hungry for renewal. I'm so hungry for another touch. I couldn't care less what somebody thinks about me. I want the Holy Ghost all over again. I want to speak in tongues all over again. Come on. Let's make our way. The Holy Ghost is moving. Get those hands in the air. Say, God, fill me again. I'm taking what is mine. Taking what is mine. Oh, let's make our way. Let's make our way. Come on, ladies. Come on up here. God promises to me This is holy ground yes. Satan back up And get your hands Hello. off of me Hallelujah. Cause I refuse Hallelujah. I have authority just, just a moment I wonder if there's somebody here this morning That wants the Holy Ghost You'd be bold enough to raise your hand high Say I want the Holy Ghost Pastor I want the Holy Ghost We baptized some young men last week if they want the Holy Ghost, they can get it here today. Amen. I just felt like giving somebody an opportunity. Raise your hand high if you want the Holy Ghost. Somebody hadn't had it, you want it. Amen. Come on, that's it. Praise God. Praise God. You can't get it unless you want it now. Hallelujah. And if I want you to keep your hand up, and if there's somebody else here that maybe it's just been a while, since you've been renewed in the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what, just everybody close your eyes for just a minute. Nobody needs to see this. It's just important that God sees it. It's just been a while since you prayed through and spoke in tongues. Keep those eyes closed. Why don't you raise your hand right now and say, I want a renewal. I want a refreshing. Come on, be bold enough to raise that hand and say, God, I want you to do it for me again this morning, this morning, this morning. Okay, everybody, let's let's pray together that the Holy Ghost would fall in this house. Jesus, you see the hungry heart. You see the desire of people in this place. I'm praying you pour your spirit out. Pour out. Pour out, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. to lose. I'm not backing down. Oh, renew me. To me. Renew me, God. This is holy ground. Put a fire back in my back up And get your hands off of me. Because I refuse to lose. Oh, yes. I have authority. Oh, yes. 
refuse to lose. I'm not backing down. God promises to me. This is holy ground. Well, Satan, back up and get your hands off of me. Cause I refuse to lose. I have authority. Yeah. I got the victory. I got the victory, 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 I got the victory. Well, it's mine, it's mine, oh yes, it's mine, it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. It's mine, it's mine, oh yes it's mine, I refuse to lose, I'm not backing down, God promises to me, this is holy ground, Satan back up and get your hands off of me, cause I refuse to lose, I have authority, yes I do. I refuse to lose, I refuse to lose, I'm not backing down, God promised this to me, oh, this is holy, holy ground, Satan back up and get your hands off of me, cause I refuse to lose, I have authority, oh yeah, I got the victory. I got the victory, I got the victory. I got the victory, I got the victory. I got the victory, I got the victory, I got the victory. 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 I I got the victory, 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 it's mine, oh yes it's mine, it's mine, oh yes it's mine. It's mine, oh yes it's mine, I've got the victory, 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 oh yes it's mine, it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. 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 I refuse to lose. I'm not backing down. God promises to me. This is Satan back up and get your hands off of me. Cause I refuse to lose I have 
the authority. Uh, I refuse to will. I refuse to lose. I'm not backing down. God promises to me. This is holy ground. Oh, Satan, back up and get your hands off of me. Cause I refuse to lose. I have authority. I've got the victory, 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 I've got the victory. 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 Yes, I do. I've got the victory. I've got the victory. It's mine, oh yes, it's mine, it's mine, oh yes, it's mine.